0: Italian Wine Podcast Chin with Italian Wine People Italian Wine Podcast, as Wine2Wine 2020 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions chosen to highlight key themes and ideas and recorded during the two-day event held on November 23rd and 24th, 2020. Wine2Wine 2020 represented the first first ever fully digital edition of the Business to Business Forum. Visit wine2wine.net and make sure to attend future editions of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Here we are. Again.
1: So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our second session um, with Polly Hammond. Uh, I have to declare an interest right now, which is that Polly and I uh, work together. Um, We started working together on a Set of sessions a bit like this called the real business of wine. And we now do some consultancy together uh, for various clients. And I think I sometimes think of myself as being the middleman, if you like, because there is the world of wine. And there is the world of digital, the world of digital marketing. And these two don't necessarily always, uh, touch very closely. And Polly, who I've known since I think we first may have met at a wine to wine. We certainly did, did, uh, spent some time at wine to wine, uh, is one of the people who understands digital and understands wine and, I have my own experience of the digital world has been a relatively recent in the last sort of five years, but I owe a huge amount to Polly in terms of my learning experience. And what we're going to have today is of an instant masterclass. So Polly is uh, born in America. Uh, has grown up uh, there, uh, seeing all sorts of different parts of the American scene, including politics and all sorts of other areas, and went to live in New Zealand, I think, 14 years ago. Is that right? 20. Uh, 20 plus, so been in New Zealand for all that time and has been doing digital marketing for a very long time for a wide variety of clients and um, finds herself having to explain quite often what digital marketing is compared to other marketing. What I always say is that one day we will stop talking about digital marketing the same way that we we stop about, you know, there's advertising, there's marketing. And digital is going to be one part of the whole. And I think that's going to be one of the things that Polly is going to be talking about. We've already got some very good questions coming in, which are very practical. I think this session should be very much about how wineries that are not currently using digital marketing are could actually benefit from doing so. So, Polly, over to you. Yeah,
0: so it's actually really nice to be back. And I think that doing this in this platform at this time, I've got two screens going, we've the chat here, we've got the video here, you're in the UK, I'm in New Zealand, we've got people from all over the world in the middle of the night doing this. I think that this, what Stevie's created this year, actually really represents how wine has changed because heaven knows last year in Verona, none of us expected that the world was going to be what it's been since then. And it has certainly been a very, very busy year on the digital front, but what we've seen is that a lot of people have a kind of vague understanding of digital, but don't necessarily know how to do it right. And that's what I want to solve today. I want to answer some of the questions that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, and hopefully everyone can walk out of the room with an idea of where they need to spend, what they need to spend, what they can do in-house where it's worthwhile, outsourcing, so that digital for them can be a profitable um, experience. So I guess the first thing that we have to start with is the degree to which our customers have changed over the course of the past 10 months. I have some statistics. I won't bore you with too many of them, but here are the key ones that we need to bear in mind when we're dealing with wine. Um, by April of this year, 33% of consumers made their first ever online grocery order in the past three months. Buying something like groceries that keep us alive is such a groundbreaker for how we interact in the digital space.
1: Sorry, Polly, can I just ask where those statistics are from? Where's that,
0: Yeah. So in this case, these come from the States. Um, they're all US statistics. Don't worry, there aren't going to be too many of them. So the second one, 50% of global customers do not expect to resume shopping normalcy for what they describe as a very long time. So this is not ending. And the, the, the clincher that we all saw around about March when the whole world was in lockdown was that wine.com sold five times their normal monthly, um, rate, selling 50,000 bottles in March alone. So now we know that people are buying their necessities online. They're not going back to shopping like normal. And absolutely we have gotten very comfortable with shopping for wine online and this has changed the sales landscape for our industry. If we look at wine tourism, which of course has been the driving force of many of our economies, we are also faced with ongoing shifts and adaptations. So Diana Isaac, who is the founder and CEO of Winerist, was quoted as saying that they expected to be a full year before tourism and tasting rooms pick up. And she said that months ago, and we are all still going through lockdown. So again, this is a problem that we have to solve. Another thing, though, that I want to talk about are the the changes in technology because it's not just consumers. It's actually the mechanisms that we are using to interact with brands. 70% of consumers globally say they are spending more of their time on their smartphone. So when we're talking to our European market, this is very important because we actually have some, in many cases, severely dated digital platforms in in, in Europe, non-responsive sites, slow sites, poorly performing sites, just um, legacy sites. So very important to understand that shift. And Email open rates are nearly 50% higher than they were before lockdown happened. And super important conversion rates. So that is the rate at which someone performs an action we want them to perform have increased by 80%. So now they are on their phones. They understand how to shop and they're willing, they're understanding their, the in, Tuiting how to do the things that we want them to do. So our, our customers have changed their expectations, their reality, their priorities, their access has drastically shifted. But us, wine marketing, not so much. And we're trying to, we're trying to find a way. And I know that I stood on that stage in Verona last year and I said, this is a war of attrition. And we have seen that happen in this year, a very clear stratification of the wine brands who are willing to learn how to do digital right. The ones who are figuring it out, but it's taking, it's a little bit longer, not going so well. And the ones who just can't adapt. And I know from information coming out of the West Coast of America, there's never been the number of merger and acquisitions that we've had since March. So, you know, these are are future-proofing our brands. So the question is, how do we know what to spend? How do we know where we should be spending it? How do we know when it's worthwhile to bring somebody in? And these are the practical matters that I want us to talk about today. And fortunately, Robert, because you and I have done enough together that sometimes we like share a brain, you know, you touched on exactly what I have here. Look, there is no digital marketing. That is the very first thing that we must embrace as marketers. We are the consumer advocates in our offices, in our boardrooms, in the winery. You know, we are the person who brings the empathy and the concern and the relationship to our organization. And when we are championing that cause, we have got to be the one to shift our own mindset and our own language. And we need to stop talking about digital marketing. And we just need to talk about marketing. That puts it into perspective often for the second elephant in the room, which is leadership buy-in. So we do a fair few of these workshops. And the number one issue you hear when you are sitting in a room full of wine marketers is they really want to do digital well, and they cannot get leadership buy-in. They can't get the budgets across the line. They can't get the support they need. If money gets invested, it's not actually for a long-term. And... Our job, if we want to create an agile, resilient digital platform, is that we actually have to take this group of late adopters who are our leaders, who as of March have learned how to buy courgettes online, and we need to put our digital strategy into a context that the way they think can understand you know that, that, that they can embrace and they can see where it's going and when we do that we get to the next big issue which it's all about the money so I'm going to give you some numbers. Um, I'm going to share with the audience some numbers that I hope can help you and the teams talk to your leadership, understand within your own work what you should be spending on digital because this is a huge issue that we deal with all the time. So by comparison, our competition... Um, and you talked about this in our, our last session. Our competition is not everybody sitting in this virtual room with us. Our competition are companies who have a lot more money than we do. They have a far better distribution, far greater access. They are spending 24% of their annual budget. On marketing year on year, this year uh, statistics as of June said that that came down to eighteen percent. So twenty four percent, eighteen percent. But if you look at marketing averages across all industries, twelve percent, and that has been on the rise since February of this year. Um, and so, do you, have a, do
1: you well, have a figure for wine, um, Polly? I was I've about had some to figures. ask you.
0: I was about to say, Robert. What does the average independent winery spend on marketing per annum?
1: 5%.
0: Yep. 4 to 6%. So we are going up against the big guns, and we are doing it with absolutely not enough money to make a dent. And that means that we are throwing our money down a well. It means that we aren't going to get the kind of results that leadership wants. We as marketers are not going to be able to sit at that table with our measurables and our reports and say, this is a good investment. And that's what we have to change. And the way that we change that is we need to understand realistic expectations So what can we do with digital? What should we be spending? And I'm going to, I take a moment to pause before I share this because everybody in the room is about to cringe and throw virtual tomatoes at me. So 4%, you might as well just put your money in your pocket, go on holiday to Fiji or wherever it is because there's no point spending it. You're not going to get anywhere with it. I'm very, very sorry. 8% right now. So 8% of your annual budget on marketing. This is what I call maintenance. You get some client some customers who go out, some who come in, pretty much stay where you are, no attrition. This can work for brands. Um if you are established and you're selling out and you're happy with where you are and all you need to do is maintain status quo, you can possibly get by with 6 to 8%. 10 to 12% of your annual budget equals moderate growth. This is where most of our clients sit. By the time they've gone out to an agency and they need support, they've acknowledged that they have to be spending a fair amount of money on their digital 13 to 16% equals aggressive growth. And in all the years I've done this, I've maybe had three clients who've ever been willing to do that. Uh, so don't feel bad if that's, that's not where you're sitting. So the point being, we need to be hovering right there around that multi-industry average of 10 to 12% in order to continue moderate growth being part of a very competitive industry. So now let's actually break that down into our digital spend. So traditionally, um, well, not traditionally, because digital is not traditional. Um, For about the past five years, we have seen the digital spin. So this is the percentage of the marketing budget that goes toward digital communications, marketing strategy, labor, analytics, any of that. Comes in at somewhere between 45 to 65% of your budget based on your particular model. Um, And this is going to be unique to every business how you distribute, where you sell, how many markets, you know, what your labor costs are. The interesting thing about that is that in 2020, we have seen industries that are not traditionally heavy spenders in digital actually move further toward that 65%. So these are the kind of numbers that when you're sitting at a table and you're saying, What the hell should we spend? What does this look like? That's that's really where you need to be um, running your numbers and modeling. I'm a huge fan of spreadsheets. Work it all out on paper before you spend a dime. Know where your money's going and understand why.
1: Can I throw Even- a question there? that? Yeah. In the movie business, it's famous that if you spend 100 million on making a movie, you spend 50 million on marketing and getting the word out there. And if you spend 200 million, you spend one you spend 100 million. If you make a low budget movie, And you only you've made a movie for 50 million or 10 million, which is possible. If you've only got five, if you're spending the industry average, which is fifty percent, you've only got five million to tell people about the movie, and you're competing in cinemas with the other guys who've just made the Bond movie or Avengers movie, and they've got a hundred million. Does that percentage equate to your turnover? Does it, is it unfortunately I hate to say this, but is it do you need to spend a higher percentage? on a smaller turnover to get any kind of return?
0: That's a really interesting question. So there are a few things to parse out from that. The first thing is bear in mind that Hollywood does something called Hollywood accounting. So don't trust their numbers too much. Wine can be guilty of similar accounting. So we need to actually have Good financial strategies in place. Second thing, um, it's funny. In our last session, there was a question about over marketing. What is one of the things you know when a company, when a a studio is pouring money into their marketing? It's gotta be a shitty movie. It happens all the time. And look, as a marketer, I'm gonna say we've all seen brands that are terrible brands that have tradition have have fabulous marketing. And, you know. It works. It's not personally what we do because those aren't the kind of clients that we work with. But marketing builds a connection and a story, and and that can be used for good or evil. You know, with great power comes great responsibility.
1: Uh, but can I come back to a slightly opinion, on the, mm. on the opinion, down and saying, is there a figure beneath which? you really aren't going to get very much return. Forgetting the yeah, percentage. Honestly, if I say, you know, I've only got $1,000, what am I going to get mm. for $1,000 right. fragments?
0: Okay. So some ways that you need to budget this out is that there are pieces of digital that fall into capital expenditure. So that that's stuff like your website, you know, um, and that needs to not be a part of that per annum budget. Um, I think that... One, it really depends upon your goals, what you're trying to accomplish. If you come to me and I'm not, we're not the cheapest people on the planet. um, You know, I'll, I'll be super honest. You're probably looking at a minimum of thirty-six hundred, whatever your currency unit is, because we have to work on that model. Thirty-six hundred dollars a month to be able to outsource digital, and that's that's really like at the entry point for an agency like ours. I understand that there are lots of agencies with lots of
1: money. And what would a company get for that kind? So they're spending, whatever this, 40-something thousand a year. Mm-hmm. What are they getting for that? And bearing in mind that that is, in addition to turning up at wine events mm-hmm. and doing traditional advertising and PR, what are they getting for that money?
0: Okay. So um, this is actually kind of a good segue into something that I want to talk about here today which is let me first tell this story and then I'll answer your question there is this gross misperception that has been perpetuated by companies like Wix who sell their free websites all over the place that DIY digital is like manna from the heavens you know you're going to go out on a weekend and you and your nephew are going to build a website and the next thing you know you're going to have you know the angels pouring gold and followers on you And, um, and this is because people, when they think about digital, they think about the shiny website. They think about the skin or the facade, but good digital is actually about the data. It's about understanding all of the data points that go back to what you were talking about in the last session, what I talked about last year, which is we need to understand who our consumers are why they're engaging with our brand, why we matter to them, how we can do better for them. And so the spaces, let me just talk a little bit about the DIY stuff and I will come back to your question. The spaces that we see brands unfortunately kind of crash and burn in have to do with setting up that data foundation so that they can grow, improve, sell. And the key places that those are a problem are their Google Analytics are set up incorrectly because again, there's this idea that you just like jack in a code and the next thing you know, you're going to know everything about your consumers. So you actually need to go in and set up your Google Analytics correctly, which can mean turning on demographics. It can mean setting up filters so that it gets rid of all the cruft and the bots. Um, I've just realized I'm talking fast and those poor translators are going to have my hide. I'm so sorry. And, and, but also having conversions so that you can easily track and report effectiveness. You know, are you, are you accomplishing your goals? So you've got your Google analytics, you've got things like a Facebook pixel, which I I go in, everyone just go back to the office and set, if you're on Facebook, set it up under a business manager, stop doing things from your Facebook admin page. It's a terrible way to market, set up a business manager, set up your pixels change your GDPR notice because you've done it. Even if you're not choosing to market using those channels, the, they take time to train their machine learning effectively. Okay. Um, well, yeah, we've got
1: we again. We've only got ten minutes left, so we need we got some okay. time for questions. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no.
0: no. So yeah. I just want to. I, I just want everyone to go back and fix their data. So um, the last thing that I want to talk about is don't try to do everything. So there were some questions in, in, that were coming through when we were first getting started about key points to monitoring digital. What do we do? What about strategy? Look, if you're doing this in house. You need to do what you can consistently and effectively. You need to master one part of your digital plan before you scale up to the next one. And a great example of that is social media and the people who are like, I'm supposed to be on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and all this other stuff. Don't do it. Do one thing and do it really well and make certain that it's the space where your people are. And um, so back to your question, what do we do? You know, that like that's the tip of the iceberg. But we actually go in and, and we do all those things and we monitor it and we iterate and we create websites that the shiny skin actually produces the results that you want. And and yeah, and we do it pretty well.
1: I, I've got a question that came earlier on, I think from French uh Francisca or from uh, I'll come back to it. Yep. Uh, I think um Fabrizio, speaking about marketing, we usually focus on B2C. What about B2B?
0: Um you know what that is a great question and where we see B2B come across our desk and this has happened a lot in this past year are when for instance distributors are trying to figure out better models to communicate with their suppliers or with their, with their buyers. So streamlining systems are really important. Other places, and I think Meg Maker may have talked about this because she, she has a lot of good opinions on this have to do with how do we communicate Media, press, how do we supply assets? These are things that a lot of wineries can do better in their own digital spaces at very little cost. So we have to remember that B2B is just another one of our, another one of our customers. And we have to share the information with them in a way that is frictionless and solves their problems. What's the job to be done? Why are they there? How do we make it easier for them?
1: The other thing is digital is a very broad word and you raised in our previous session, you raised TikTok, which hadn't really even been on anyone's uh, until I think um, President Trump uh, told people about it. A lot of people didn't know it existed. We've gone from you're talking about the the, the winery owners saying, why do I need to do, do digital or what do I need to do? These are people who. Maybe do Facebook, but don't do Instagram. Or they've just discovered Instagram, but they don't do a lot of the other things. How do you keep track of the evolution of the digital uh, world, the digital platforms? Yeah.
0: So this comes back to our job as marketers in the room have to do with setting realistic expectations. We have to be able to measure what we do. We've got to be able to track it and we have to be able to communicate it. So um, and this is why all that data is super important. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to personally give your space, give yourself space to fail it's, it moves quickly. You know, it, it's the adapt or die is there for a reason. Adapt fast, change is constant. And even the things, so, you know, why, why this is problematic? Those algorithms are changing regularly. The Google, you know, the Google search algorithm is changing regularly. Look at what happens with our Instagram in a week where suddenly nobody can find the buttons. So you have to accept that this is a moving target. And then You need to experiment. And this is something that wine is not good at. We do not spend marketing dollars to try things and see if it works. So this is it. Give yourself permission to fail. Try things. See what happens. Test things. Learn from it.
1: So, I've got a, a note from a lady called Stevie Kim, who I've heard oh, of. Oh, golly. Saying, not much wine on TikTok. Where are all the wine peeps on TikTok? And this gives you the opportunity to talk to, talk about somebody called Andrew McInnes in Bordeaux. Yeah. I have a little clip of him um, on, yeah. that I've downloaded. Go ahead.
0: Um, so, where are all the wine people on TikTok? Uh, I, I think they're sitting in a wine bar with their 50-year-old friends using Facebook. That's where they are. Um, I think that TikTok is uh, baffling for a generation of non-social media natives because the, uh, again, talking about fast moving, I mean, this is, this is like zeitgeist like we are living and breathing it on TikTok. If you want to be successful on TikTok, you are paying attention yourself to TikTok and you are getting in on the act. The Capri Sun Fleetwood Mac um, TikTok that basically introduced TikTok to a lot of old folks, my teenagers knew about it two weeks before it went viral because they live on TikTok and they pay attention to it. Stevie and her team have actually done a really good job learning to embrace TikTok. Andrew McInnes has... Embraced TikTok recently. Um, there's there's a bit of a story. We can from, a ch-
1: from a Chateau Cardo- Lacardon in Bordeaux. La
0: Cardone, that that's correct. So the thing about it, though, is that we live in an industry that struggles with the notion of entertainment. We talk about we must educate people. TikTok is not about educating people. TikTok is about entertaining people in tiny little bursts. We have to take ourselves less seriously if any of us want to be able to succeed on TikTok. So I think that's a brilliant,
1: that. a brilliant. I think one of the things to say about TikTok, though, is that it's always seen as being for the kids, quote unquote, and maybe particularly in the US, where wine isn't legal in theory until you're twenty, well, and no, alcohol is legal until you're twenty-one. I think that's maybe been a bit of a barrier. So why would you want? Why do we want to talk to seventeen-year-olds and fourteen-year-olds who are dancing on TikTok? They're not seeing that TikTok actually is like gaming. I think there's an interesting parallel you know here, where gaming gonna, is adult.
0: I'm going to jump in on that and say why. Because those consumer packaged goods who are spending 24% of their marketing, they are on TikTok and they're already talking to the kids and they're going to kick our ass if we cannot figure out how to live in those same spaces with them. And the great thing about social media, especially burgeoning social media, is we can. Stevie's right. There are no, there are no wine brands on TikTok. That means that there is a space that someone who is creative and interesting and entertaining and willing to fail and take a risk and experiment, they can actually get in on the ground floor of that.
1: As 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 Stevie has contributed, take your job seriously, but not yourself. I think that just we're very close to an end here. But what I'd say, one question though: How does you started off by saying, actually take the we both said take the word digital off market? How do we combine? if you like the clicks and mortar bricks and mortar the 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 digital and the real life so here all of us i'm really gutted not to be in verona doing this live as i said earlier and stevie the thing that stevie's created here was it's not just an event where we talk in uh, conferences we go and meet in the bar we sit down we enjoy food we do stuff how does digital and flesh and blood how do they interact and how do you see that happening in the you future know.
0: The, the only space that they don't mesh is in our own heads. Like that's really it. If we, if we throw out all of our preconceived notions of what, uh, of, what a person-to-person relationship should feel like. We've exceeded marvelously this year, all of us. I mean, look at how comfortable we've become. Now, if you're talking about the actual tasting experience, I have to refer to people. I have to look at 67 Palmall, who've done a great job with their sample sets. The online wine club, if I I hope I get that right, that's got the little Capri Sun style like Mm -hmm. juice boxes. So again, you know what? We can sit back. I started with saying, this is a war of attrition. We can sit back and say, oh, this doesn't work for the way that we've always done things. Or what we can do is say, what's the new way? What can we learn from every other industry on the planet? We've got a
1: question we probably don't have time to answer because I think we're going to be thrown out. Can we? We have to close, but um, you need to get back in touch with us. Find us on on LinkedIn It's probably the best bet. Talking about advertising limitations for wine on digital platforms, but we'll talk about that sometime. That's a
0: big topic.
1: So thank you, Stevie. Thank you for arranging all this. Thank you, Polly. And thank you for everybody in the audience. Please hang around for the rest of the sessions today. I certainly will be. So, And I hope to see all of you in the flesh in Verona next